in the darkest moments is where I found such tremendous love and redemption. Mm-hmm. It was when I was on my knees, sobbing, curled up in a ball, that we grew closer, mm-hmm. and then I grew closer to Jesus. Welcome to the Watch Me Rise podcast, where our goal is to help children and families move from trauma to triumph. We will provide very real conversations about the impact of early trauma while providing undeniable hope that true healing can be found. Here are your hosts, former foster youth, Trent Taylor, along with his adoptive mom, Pam Taylor. Hey, kiddo. Hey. Good morning. Good morning. Did you have your coffee this morning? I did. I did too, but I think I might need a little more. It's kind of dreary outside today. Yeah, I think I might need another two or three. Two or three. Yeah, yeah. that might send you through the roof. I don't know. Yeah, there are worse things. <laughs> well, today we are um, going to talk about something that's a pretty heavy topic. Mm-hmm. And before we get too far in, we kind of want to... Um, warn the listeners a little bit that this is a heavy topic. We're going to be talking about sexual abuse today and it's something that may trigger you. It's something that's uncomfortable for some people. Um, It's just kind of very heavy. So we want people to be prepared for that. Now that being said, this topic is extremely important. Very important to talk about. We were just talking about before we uh, started recording this morning that we feel the pressure to do this mm-hmm. properly because it's such such an important topic. So uh, we said a prayer before we started, mm-hmm. and we are hopeful that um, God will give us the words that He wants us to share with with you all today. Yeah. So, Trent, why do you think that this topic of sexual abuse is such a critical one that we address? Because with the kids we work with, the majority of them. Have been sexually abused at one point or another. Yeah. It, now, it when is, you say the yeah. kids we work with, that's kids who have been in foster care, in foster care, yes. or kids that have experienced trauma. But mm-hmm. just even in the general population, yeah. the statistics uh, for those who have been sexually abused, it's very, very significant. Exactly. And often not spoken about. Yeah. Right. No, nobody wants to talk about it. No, of course not. Um, but we have to bring it into the light. Exactly. It's it's. It's too important not to bring it into the light because it's been in the darkness for too long because nobody wants to talk about it. It's too hard to talk about. Nobody wants to, you know, realize that this stuff goes on in the world and that children are losing their innocence. Yep, absolutely. And unfortunately, you were one of those. I was. Um, And you are now able to speak very openly about that. And I Mm -hmm. think that that is going to be such a blessing to people who are listening. So let's talk about that a little bit. Um, let's talk about your personal story. And of course, you don't need to share, you know, details, yeah. but tell us a little bit about, you know, we know that your past involved significant neglect, mm-hmm. domestic violence, and sexual abuse. Yes. So you ran the gamut of, of yeah the, all possible forms of abuse. Yep. But today we're going to focus on the sexual abuse mm-hmm. piece. So tell us what you want to share about that. Yeah. Well, let's see. I was sexually abused by my older brother, my biological uncle. And that was, this started, I believe, 
really young, I want to say maybe three or four, roughly, mm-hmm. probably might, might, might even be younger, honestly. And it didn't stop for many, many years. And, uh, and it was it was so just sick and twisted how they did it. You know, they, they approached it like a game, you know. They, they did it in a way that was would, would not raise any alarms in a child, especially since, you know, it's someone older, an adult. Someone you People res- you trust, exactly, right? Exactly. Yeah. Some, yeah. Somebody that you respect. And that's why it hurts so much when they, you know, turned that trust and just destroyed it and betrayed me in the worst way possible. So if you were that young, though, you probably didn't even know that that was something that was not okay, right? No, exactly. I had no idea. And, you know, especially when it's turned into something, you know, like a game or something that's supposed to, like, where they take it from the, you know, this is a good thing, you know, that, that kind of approach, mm-hmm. you know. And as a four-year-old, you have no idea what it, what what's going on or right. if it's even right or wrong. You know, you're way too young to have that kind of mentality sure because you're too young to have that head developed already you know and nobody talks about that with young children because that's just not something that they normally think they need to talk about their right their children so we know from our study that sexual abuse is something Mm -hmm. that's generational and goes from one generation to the next so do you think that sexual abuse was a big part of your birth family history? Do you think it just started with you? What What are your thoughts on that? Oh, it's definitely a big part of my biological family's history. I mean, there was one day where we sat down and we mapped it out and there was sex abuse on both sides. It was mm-hmm. like a family tree of sex abuse. You know, this person abused this person and abused that and just went on. It was like a ripple effect. Because we, well, we know that Without intervention, exactly. that cycle continues. But exactly. we stopped it with you. Yes, we did. Right? Yes, Absolutely. We, did. we stopped it with you and your brother. Um, can you... I know that as as an abuse survivor, you do not like the word grooming. But can <laughs> you, do you think that you talked about them, you know, playing games? Mm-hmm. Do you consider that grooming? Was that oh, grooming? Definitely. Yeah. 100% was grooming. Because that's, that's the way sex abusers work. They make it so that it doesn't seem anything wrong or dirty. They you know they make it feel like a like a game or something. You know that's well, something that's normal. You know they, mm-hmm. they try to normalize it so that way you're less likely to talk about it with others or say something. You know and you know you're young so you don't understand that you should say something that, that, that mm-hmm. this is mm-hmm. wrong. You know, right? And that's why they do that. And it's a slow fade. You know they they slowly you know, work their way into your life and things like that. It's not an immediate, like, boom. It's it's a slow, they just, like, ease their way into it until they get your trust, and then they take that trust and turn it around and stab you in the back. Right, right. I know you don't like that word, but I think that was important to talk about. Definitely. Um, And a part of your grooming, unfortunately, was pornography exposure. Yes. Can you talk about that a little bit? Definitely. I was first exposed... To pornography at the age of, I want to say between two and four. I don't know the exact age because that was like, that was really young. So that's hard to get the exact time frame. But I know it was in between those years of two and four that I was exposed to pornography. And I have a really strong feeling that I was shown that because, you know, if you see adults doing those things, you know, you're like, oh, this is not 
something dirty. It seems like it seems normal, and that that's another way they ease their way into, you know, getting you to be okay with it. And normalizing exactly it. Yeah. normalizing it. Yeah, you know, because again, so we. I do remember you telling me at one point, and tell me if I'm wrong about this, but that you would be shown pornography before your abuser mm-hmm. would perpetrate. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, tell me about how that pornography exposure has impacted you as compared to the actual sexual abuse. <sighs> yeah, I mean, pornography exposure is, yeah, the one thing I wish I could change. To be honest, if I could go back in time and change one thing, I would change that. Why is that? Because with sexual abuse, you can talk about it, you can heal, and then it gets to the point where it loses its power. It loses its control over you, and you can just, you know, move on for the most part. You know, it's obviously you never... step away from yeah, your exactly, abusers, right? Exactly. Yeah, and you, yeah. can, you can separate yourself from toxic people and those abusers mm-hmm. and whatnot. You, can, you don't ever have to talk to them again, you know, and, you know, um, you know you're never fully healed from abuse or any kind of trauma it never ever goes away but it gets to the point where it no longer has control over you but with pornography nowadays and day and like with technology today oh my it's as simple as a click of a button you know advertisements so on, it comes at you exactly it's yeah all over yeah. the place you know and that's it's a lot harder to avoid because it's in your immediate environment exactly. all the time, exactly. right? In your hand, in mm-hmm. on your cell phone, exactly, right? You know, and I can move millions of miles away from my abusers, mm-hmm. but as long as you've got technology in your household, it's just an inch away. But let's talk real quick, and we don't get want to get off topic too yeah. much. But after you learned and healed. Um, and learned about the dangers of pornography. Uh, when is the last time you saw that? It's been, what? Probably 10 years or so. 10, 12 years, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so you have been able to mm-hmm. overcome that, right? And I know that that takes strength. We need to do a whole separate uh, yeah. podcast on that <laughs> because we're talking about sexual abuse today. Yeah. But I know that was a significant piece of your sexual abuse mm-hmm. and people need to understand that pornography exposure is sexual abuse yes, right 100%. and that was just one piece of yours and one other thing i wanted to say is that i think there's a misconception about sexual abuse that you know there's some stranger off the street will will perpetrate but i <laughs> no, i yeah. there's a statistic and i don't want to misquote it but i believe it's close to 90 percent of sexual abuse cases occur with someone you know exactly a family friend mm-hmm. a family member Um, So I just want to make sure that people know that. So the thing about your sexual abuse is you kept that to yourself through foster placement after foster placement after foster placement. That is correct. You did not tell. No, I didn't trust anybody. And when something so personal and something that caused me so much pain, I didn't want, I, I mean, I just didn't trust anybody enough to say anything about it, you know? And honestly, I was told many times to not say anything you know and to keep it quiet and you know it's just between us like our little secret like in a joking way mm-hmm. you know so you know i was scared you know you, when you're that young you don't go against adults that you supposedly trusted right, right you know people who have authority in your life you don't you don't talk out against them you don't say anything bad about them sure you know yeah 
just a fear of... So you didn't have enough yeah. trust or attachment with any of your foster families that made you feel like you were able to share that? No. Not okay. until I came to you guys. And let's stop there and talk about that for a minute. Yeah. Um, every episode I seem to say this, but we said we were going to be very real mm-hmm. and very open and very honest. Definitely. So it's time for that from my, yeah. my end um, yeah. as a parent. I'm just going to be honest in saying uh, that when we started this journey... We were very clear about the fact, I've said this in previous episodes, that we wanted younger children Mm -hmm. who had not experienced sexual abuse, who were not caught up in the court system. Yep. God had other plans. Definitely. (laughs) Because when you came to us, we did not know about the sexual abuse piece. Um, And all of those feelings on my part, looking back, were just out of fear and complete ignorance. I'm just going to own that and call it (laughs) what it is. It was just a fear that I wouldn't know how to help you. Um, so we ended up with all three of those things, right? Yep. We ended up with with all of those that we said we, we did not plan on. Yeah. Um, but we know that, that God's plan is perfect. So after you got here, I want to say it was, I don't know, six or eight months maybe. Um, and then you dropped a bomb on me. Yep. Right? Mm-hmm. I remember it well. I was tucking you in, mm-hmm. and I don't know what you were talking I think we were reading a book or something. I think it was like a... Teen Titans book or something. I don't know. Teen Titans. Like, or it might have been the Magic School Bus. Oh, yeah. One of those. Book. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. But we were reading a story as I was tucking mm-hmm. you in. You were talking about the story, and then in mid-sentence, you dropped a line um, about sexual abuse that mm-hmm. had occurred between you and your brother. Yep. And then you just kept talking. Yeah. Right? Yep. So why'd you do it that way? Well, you know, we've said before that, you know, kids who have been through trauma and who don't trust for good reasons, you know, they have to test. They have to see if you're going to stick with them. You know, they, they got to do certain things to make sure that no matter what happens, they're not going anywhere and then you're not going to give up on them. And was something that I held onto so so tightly, and that was so painful for me, and such, just caused so much turmoil for me at the time that I just got. I had to make sure that you know if I dropped a little bit of something just to see how you would react before I told you everything. Testing the waters. Exactly. Yeah. Because as I got older, you know, and moving everywhere, it's like you know this is not something I want to talk to anybody about, you know. And I felt you know shame and guilt for it, you know, as I got older and wasn't really clear as to what what happened to be honest and i was just i just had to make sure that i wasn't going to be judged or kicked out because of it right so you were testing the waters exactly i remember that moment Mm -hmm. so clearly i was panicked (laughs) but i don't think i showed it no i don't think you did you were very i didn't show it at all i i think i said i'm very sorry that Mm -hmm. happened to you um, no. And kind of wanted to get you to talk more about it, but you weren't ready at that moment. No. We went on talking about whatever else we were talking about. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. And then we came back the next day yeah. and delved into it a little further. But there was a little while there where you didn't even recall that you had shared it with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. That's the funny thing about the brain. You know, something so painful, you know, the brain's like, this is too much. I can't handle it. So I'm going to repress it in the back Shut of your mind. Shut it out, mind. right? Yeah. Close it off. Yeah, just basically forget about it. Your brain's like, too hard. Let's forget about it. But over time, we kept working at it. Definitely. Right? Yes. And we kept working at 
attachment mm-hmm. and relationship. And then you began to disclose everything. Yes. Slowly. It didn't come all at once. No. And I remember when you were disclosing some of those yeah. things. I had a... I, I like shirts that have a little bling on them, like beads <laughs> or sequins or something. Yeah. And you would literally pluck the beads off my shirt while you were talking because you were so, like, kind of crawling out of your skin. Yeah. Um, you would also... Do you remember you would kind of bury your head under pillows? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, like an ostrich. Like an ostrich, yeah. yes. I would literally, like, separate the pillows so I could stick my head in. When you were telling me things. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because it was so hard. And so painful. And I just, yeah, there were so many emotions that came with it. It was almost too much to deal with. Mm-hmm. So I felt like if, you know, like if I could just hide my face, mm-hmm. that like this would just be better. I don't, I don't really understand. Looking back, I don't understand the logic behind it, but it I think made, it was the shame. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was, I felt so much shame and guilt that I didn't feel like I was worthy of even being looked at, you know. Yes. So yeah. that's why I hid my face. You I actually felt, said those words. Yeah. You did. You, yeah. you said, you'll never love me again. Yes. And I hope that I reassured you in those Def- moments. <laughs> I did. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, you know, your reaction, you know, that, com- that instant compassion and empathy, you know, that's what, that was perfect. You know, that immediate, I'm so sorry that happened to you, you know. And, you know, you want to push a little bit. But if a child is not willing to give you more than what they've already given, do you do not want to push it too far because otherwise they're going to just shut you out. You have to be ready. Exactly. You have to, yeah. they have to be ready. To so what made it. you ready? What made you ready? Well, uh, with your reaction to when I first shared that and then your continuing reaction, that empathy, you know, that constant love and reassurance that you loved me no matter what, that's what it was. And that's what got me to trust. And that trust is what allowed me to start sharing more and more and more. And the more I shared, the more I saw that you weren't gonna give up. And you constantly said that to me. You know, no matter what you say, we're never gonna love you any less. We're never gonna judge you. And you're never leaving here. And we're never gonna give up on you. And that is what was the turning point. That Those was, words. That was the pivot point in my life. Okay. Okay. Those words then over and over. Yes. Yeah. I think it was over and over again because it wasn't like we could reassure you with that in one Mm -hmm. simple sentence. No, not at all. It was like every time we talked about hard things, that was your go-to phrase. And that was so comforting and so reassuring. And that's what continued my ability to trust. So the thing about you is that you've always been a fighter. Yes. So as soon as you came out with this, you determined this was not going to define your future. No, not at all. And once I was able to trust, because I, I wanted to tell somebody, I wanted to fight this. I wanted to get it off my chest and, you know, off of me. You know, I wanted to tell, I wanted to heal. I wanted to move beyond it. And once I found you and found that person that I felt I could trust, that's when everything started to turn around for me. Perfect. So you were able to heal from it. Definitely. Um, and you're young. There are a lot of people that, that carry this into their, you know, into their 40s and 50s and yes. before they deal with it. Mm-hmm. So I'm thankful to the Lord that you have been able to process this so young and so early. Yes. So some of the ways that we got through that so mm-hmm. that we can maybe help others 
is we immediately educated ourselves. Because like I told you, I wasn't prepared for this. Mm -hmm. I'm just being honest. I wasn't. So we immediately sought resources and trainings and even your grandparents, my my parents, went to trainings with us because they were going to be so involved in your life. Exactly. Um, dad and everybody, we all just, we became educated mm-hmm. on how to support you um, and how to, to help get through this as a team. Um, we also had a forensic evaluation completed as soon as we found out yes. about um, your abuse. Uh, they actually, DSS actually required that of us. <laughs> yeah. um, but that evaluation thankfully showed that there was no risk of you becoming a perpetrator in your yeah. future. And I think that was a big... That was a big load off. Load off, yeah. Mm-hmm. I know for me, that is the biggest fear I had. I did not want to become like them. I did not want to do what they did. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and at that point, I never had, and I never have, never will. You know, no, I, absolutely. I will never... Ever. No, you have never perpetrated like on another child yeah. and, and, and then yeah, you never will. Hearing yeah. that, that yeah. just reassured me that I was going to be okay. I'm going to take this really deep right now. And, and we weren't really planning on this. But for those out there who have perpetrated on another child, on a sibling, yeah. before they knew, before they knew it was wrong, mm-hmm. what would you tell them? Oh, that's a hard one. So what you're saying is, is like, for someone who has perpetrated before they knew it was wrong. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Hmm. Wow, that's tough. Um, As an abuse victim, I'm sure it is. I just kind of dropped that yeah, one on you. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's, that's basically asking me to look at it from a different perspective. Yeah, yeah. To someone who has perpetrated... Before they knew it was wrong. I think I'd say. Seek forgiveness. From those you hurt. Forgive yourself. Ask God to forgive you. Seek counseling. And know that you were a child. This is not your fault. Unless someone intervenes and tells you otherwise. You had no idea. I mean, yes, what happened was horrible, but you didn't know. All you did, all you knew was what you were taught was normal. So you had no idea that it wasn't normal. You had no idea it was wrong. Right. You know, and I know it's going to take a lot of time to move past that. It's going to be a lot of guilt and a lot of shame, you know, but I think over time, Things, you know, if you seek that forgiveness and that help, I think they'll get better. I think that's so critical what you just said, because as an organization, Watch Me Rise supports a lot of families who it's very common um, for kids to uh, act out sexually yes. on, on others in the home. On mm-hmm. So I think that what you said is just critical Mm -hmm. so thank you for sharing that i kind of put you on the spot with that (laughs) thank you yeah so you were talking about guilt and shame you felt guilt and shame until until you were able to heal right did you feel like it was your fault definitely i felt so awful i felt that you know i could have done something to prevent it i could have 
kept, you know, myself from being hurt. But as I got older and as I was starting to heal, I realized I was a toddler. I I was just learning how to walk for crying out loud, you yeah. know? Like, yeah. how could I have ever said something? How could I have ever prevented something like that? You can't. And, you know, I got to the point where I realized this isn't my fault. It's nothing I did. This is not on me. This is on those who hurt me and knew better. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Took a while to get there, though, didn't it? Oh, yes. Ma- many, many years. It took many years to get there. For that to fully sink in and, and click in my head. So as you got older, mm-hmm. I think that you you got more angry because you understood things more. Mm-hmm. Like you were saying, when you were little, you didn't even know it was wrong, right? No, not at all. But then as you got older, you know that yes. that's not right. Especially, let's talk about when you get towards puberty, yeah. right? And you start understanding mm-hmm. what was actually taken from you. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. I mean, once I relearned God's purpose for sex and how it's supposed to be this beautiful gift between a married couple, I, I, re- I was so enraged and furious because I realized what was taken from me, my, mm-hmm. the innocence that was taken from me, you know, and especially when you get towards puberty, things start changing and it's just, you know, it starts bringing back old memories and you realize, you just realize on a deeper level what was stolen from you, what was snatched from you. And I think something you said there is pretty important that we hit on. You said after you relearned God's mm-hmm. design for sexuality, we spent significant yes. time on that. Years right? and years. Because someone who's been abused sexually and has been exposed to porn, mm-hmm. their view of sexuality is, is warped, right? It's, it's, it's not. Distorted. It's yeah. distorted. Yeah. So we really literally had to start from scratch. Mm-hmm. That was one of those I have no idea what I'm doing moments. Exactly. So I sought help for that. Yeah. We read book after book, and mm-hmm. we talked about really uncomfortable things. Yeah, and definitely. that communication and that yes. open communication was so critical. Yes. Right? And mm-hmm. I told you over and over, I'm like, you're going to have to talk to me about things you don't want to talk to me about yeah, for exactly. a little while. Because we have to relearn all of this and exactly. reteach all of this. Yes. And that is such an important part is, you know, not just automatically assuming that these children are going to correct their view of sexuality and sex in their heads. Because what they know is not correct. It's mm-hmm. it's twisted. It's mm-hmm. horrific. So what you got to do is exactly what you did was you know sit me down and basically teach me from the com- from complete scratch. And I'm sure that was uncomfortable for you because I was like ten or eleven. It was. <laughs> I was like ten or eleven at the time. But you, you know? knew a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, I, I did know a lot. You knew incorrect information, I, yeah. but I knew yes. a lot of the wrong things. Yes. And, you know, you taking the time to read those books with me and teach me the right way, the way it's supposed to be, that was just another huge moment for me, another, you know, pivot point, you know, where I could see, you know, what I had learned was wrong so that way I could correct it and fix it and make sure that it never happens again and make mm-hmm. sure that mm-hmm. my view on it is the is God's view. And you have that completely completely figured out in your head. Definitely. So 
since you say that your innocence was taken from you, mm-hmm. and I agree, it was, how do you view yourself? Do you view yourself, um, you know, I know purity is very, very important to you. Do you view yourself as a virgin? Do you view yourself as pure? Um, even Definitely. Even after what happened to you? Yes, of course. Because, you know, like it says in Second Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And that's exactly what God did for me. He made me a new creation. He destroyed the old me and rebuilt a son of God. Wow. You're going to make me cry. <laughs> But it's so true because I watched the Lord do that for you. I watched it. Um, and the transformation was incredible. And you still every day work towards becoming more Christ-like. And, yes. And, and I, I'm just in awe. I keep saying that every time. But I'm just so blessed to be your mom. So purity is something extremely important to you. I'm looking at you right now and you have a purity ring, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I asked I received. I asked for That was the first thing I asked for on my 13th birthday. I was like, Mom, can I get a purity ring? Because I want to let the world know what I think about purity and mm-hmm. maintaining my virginity. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I'm so proud of you for that. Yes. And I and God does make all things new. Yes, he does. And I've seen that with you. Um, and I know that you're going to be able to have an extremely healthy marriage yes. someday since Definitely. you've processed through all of this. Yeah. Somebody's going to be very lucky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess I'm a little biased. I am your mom, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so now I think just as other parts of your story, you're strong and you use this to help others, right? Um, so here's another kind of loaded question. What would you say to somebody who has experienced sexual abuse and not disclosed it yet? That's still keeping that secret inside. Mm-hmm. First, I want to say, It's not your fault. Never could be. Never has been. You are 100% blameless. You could never do anything that would warrant such heinous acts of betrayal. And, you know, another thing I want to let you know is that I know you have feelings of guilt of shame, regret, loss. But those are not true. You're not guilty. You're not to blame. Yes, things were taken from you, but God will restore you and make things all new like he has for me. And I advise you to find somebody that you can trust and tell them, whether it's little hints here and there like I did, or if you want to come out with everything you've got, guns blazing. But please, find someone you trust, because when you find someone to share this with, you have someone who can help share that burden of that pain. And it's gonna be hard It's going to be the most painful thing you've ever done in your life. But let me tell you this. It is the most worthy thing. It is so 
good once you can talk to somebody and help start moving beyond it. It is the best thing I've ever done. And it is the best thing I can advise anybody to do is to find someone, start talking about it. Because once you start talking about it, those who hurt you no longer hold that power over you. You can break free from the chains that bind you and become a whole new person. You know? Absolutely. Wow. <laughs> Got some powerful words today, kiddo. So, to kind of piggyback on that, what I would tell foster and adoptive families who fear having children in their home who've experienced sexual abuse is don't. I had that fear. Um, and this journey has been so incredible. And to walk this by your side has been my honor and my blessing. Um, you're not broken. No. You never were. Mm -mm. You're not damaged. Nope. You are strong. Exactly. You healed. I'm strong through Christ. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so I would just say to families to please open your hearts um, to children who have experienced this pain. Uh, because there's a lot of them. Mm -hmm. And this journey is such a gift. Some of our best moments were in the darkest hours. Yes. I know that sounds strange to, to yeah. people. In the darkest moments is where I found such tremendous love and redemption. Mm -hmm. It was when I was on my knees sobbing, curled up in a ball, that we grew closer, mm -hmm. and then I grew closer with Jesus. You know, I just, through reading Bible verses, reading stories in the Bible on how, you know, God used people who seemed broken and seemed like they were, you know, not worthy of being used, and then seeing them rise up through God's strength and faith, and seeing the miraculous things they were able to accomplish through God, that was like, wow. If yeah, they God can, uses exactly. the, the, the people that you wouldn't expect, exactly. right? Exactly. Yeah. If God could use them, he can certainly use me, and he can certainly use you. All you got to do is just let him in. And I know that sounds very, you know, like, well, yeah, but just let him in, you know, but that takes time. That's not easy. That's not easy to do right off the get-go. When you've been hurt. Exactly. Yeah. Especially yeah. with something like this. There's going to be a lot of feelings of like, God, why in the world did you let this happen? Why did this happen to me? Why me? Why me of all people? Was I not good enough? Was I not worthy enough? But, but now you know the answer exactly. to that, right? And What's know, the answer to that? And you know what God says to those things? You are worthy enough. You are my child. I love you. You are not broken. You are not forsaken. I am here for you. I love you. You are worthy. And I will always be there for you. Mm -hmm. That's right. And every word you just said is so powerful. And those are some of the words that you share when you yeah. go tell your story. Because you do. You publicly speak about this. And as a male who's experienced sexual abuse, 
that is very hard. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. A, it's a very strong stigma. Oh, yeah, you definitely. Know, a, yeah. a male who is sexually abused by another male. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, there's no, a lot of judgment exactly. and misconception that goes along yeah, with that. Exactly. Um, and as you prepared to get out and, and share your story, I was terrified. I'm like, well, I have this, you know, 13, 14 year I, I don't even remember how old you were when you openly shared your sexual abuse. Is 13? About that, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was. I started sharing my story, but I always left that part out until you were about thirteen. Until, yeah, exactly, yeah. and that's the point. It was around twelve and thirteen where I was finally at the point where I was like, you know what? This is not on me. This is not my fault. I hold no blame for this. You know, this is on those who hurt me. Mm-hmm. You know, and now I'm gonna share my story, and take my strength back. And what has that done for you? Oh, it has been the most, one of the most empowering things I've ever been able to do uh-huh. because it takes, it's basically taking my voice back, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. it's taking back what was taken from me. And using it yeah, exactly. for good, right? And using it to help it, others heal. Yeah, exactly. And using it to glorify God. Yes. You know, yes. and being able to use something that was so painful for me. To help others. When I see the light in their eyes, when they realize, wow, this guy gets it. Even if, like even when I, just for one child, that makes it all worth it. And you know what? Sometimes it's not a child. I've yeah. seen you speak publicly, mm-hmm. and you'll get flooded by adults. That's true. At the end of it, who said, hey, I've never shared my story, mm-hmm. but I'm going to now. Yeah. Because you were able to do it. Mm-hmm. I've seen that many times. Yeah. And I think there was a few people who reached out after I released my autobiography at the age of 14, you know, basically saying, hey, I'm 30 or 40 something years old and I've never dealt mm-hmm. with my sexual abuse. But after reading your story, you've given me the courage and strength to do so. Like, if, if you could do it, I certainly can. And that's just such a humbling thing mm-hmm. to realize that something so painful can help others and help others realize that there is light at the end of this tunnel, you know, and back to what I said before, you know, like, why did this happen to me? That, that was a, that was a thing that I held on to for a while until I was about 13 or 14. And I realized, you know what, even though this was horrible and horrific and painful and took a lot from me, there's purpose in it. Mm-hmm. There's purpose in my pain. And after I realized that, it was just, it was amazing. And that purpose was to share my story with others, to help others, to connect to others through my pain. That's my, that's the purpose I have in that. That's why I think, you know, I went through what I went through. Because, you know, just like in the Bible, Jesus used, you know, almost everybody you would least expect him to use, you know. And that's what was so inspiring for me. You know, those guys went through some horrible things. Horrible things. But he was able to use that horrible, tragic experiences that they went through and used it for his glory. And that's exactly what he's doing with me. He's using what was so horrible for me and using it for his glory. And I am so honored to be able to 
being able to do that, be able to share, be able to be his hands and feet, to be able to bring others to him through my pain. That's your ultimate goal. That is my ultimate goal. Right? Yes. I'm so proud of you. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that uh, this has been really good. Yes, it And has. emotional. And I know it's it's honestly not that hard for you to share this anymore. No, not anymore. Um, which is how I know that you are have come to dramatic levels of healing. Because it's not me. It's not my fault anymore. That's right. Never was. That's right. But now I realize it. And whose story is this? This is God's story. Yes, it is. 100%. Well, if anybody wants to um, to learn more, please visit our website at www.watchmerise919.org. And we look forward to future episodes. And if anyone needs to reach out, please do. Uh, we are here to support you, pray for you, love you, and uh, give you words of encouragement. We will see you next time. See ya. Thank you for listening to the Watch Me Rise podcast. Join former foster youth Trent Taylor and his adoptive mom, Pam Taylor, next time as they help move children and families from trauma to triumph.